With a little help from his friends, Steph Curry and the Warriors survive. What's going to happen with Anthony Davis and Game 6 is really Game 7. Let's go. Oh, hey there. John Lund Unleashed. John Lund KMBR Radio in San Francisco. Thank you so much for joining us. A lot to get to as the Warriors survive. 121 to 106. They beat the Lakers in game five at Chase Center. We're going to get into all of it. What's going on with Anthony Davis? That one's huge. We know what Chris Haynes said after the game, sideline reporter for TNT and a friend of the show, but uh, there might be a little bit more to that. I will explain everything. Steph Curry gets some help. Draymond Green comes out aggressive. They're setting the tone for this thing. They're setting the tempo in this game as well. Still didn't get Klay Thompson going enough. Still didn't get Jordan Poole going enough, but a couple of positive signs there as well. And again, we'll get to Anthony Davis and the whole thing, the big uh, run that, uh, that got this thing going, 25-7 to between the second and third quarter, 16-5 to end the uh, half, and then a 9-2 run to start the third quarter. And that provided, even though the Lakers got close a little bit in the uh, fourth quarter, they did get it under double digits, but the Warriors win it 121 to 106. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, very much appreciated. All you have to do to subscribe, just search John Lund Unleashed. Much appreciated. And also, same thing, if you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for listening on the podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcast. We're everywhere. Just search John Lund Unleashed. And of course, you can listen to my radio show on KNBR with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Pampa, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Weekdays, Pacific Time, KMBR 680, which is a blowtorch all over Northern California. You can also go to KMBR.com and on the new KMBR app. So any of those ways to listen, appreciate you listening to the podcast, the radio show, and watching on the YouTube channel as well. You can always get a hold of me, and you don't have to agree, disagree, agree, good point, bad point, whatever. I like differing opinions. I'm different than anybody in that way. It seems in America everybody thinks you have to agree with them, and nobody is tolerant for anybody else's Thoughts, I love it, and I, oh, I didn't think of that. So again, at John Lund Radio on Twitter, Instagram. I check in, uh, Twitter more than I do Instagram. And if you're watching on the YouTube channel, in the comment section, hit me up, and I'll get back to you on that as well. So those are uh, ways to contact, listen to, and watch the show. I appreciate you hanging out. Let's get into this whole thing. I'll give you a box score in a minute. We'll read the box score together, but just a few thoughts. And if you're watching on the YouTube channel, I always do this after Warriors games. In doing the post game, I give you some bullet points to follow by. Give you the uh, the score and some of the things that you won't see in the box score. I'll give you by the numbers, which will go over the box score. And, of course, we'll look ahead to game six for all intents and purposes. To me, it's game seven. So we'll explain all those things. So let me, before I go to tonight's game, uh, there was something I was talking about on my KMBR radio show today. I've been covering the NBA about 25 years, and I covered uh, Jordan Pippen and the Bulls. I covered him against the Utah Jazz. I covered a lot of series between the Spurs and the Jazz with Greg Popovich, Phil Jackson of the Bulls. Uh, covered the NBA Finals in 04 with the uh, Lakers, Phil Jackson, and, and against Larry Brown and the Pistons. And so I've covered the game for a long time, and, and there's a strategy in the playoffs, and it doesn't take the analytics that we have now, who's shooting more free throws, plus, minus, all the different things. Right away, coaches would, whether it was Phil Jackson uh, when he was coaching the Bulls or Larry Brown coaching the Pistons or Phil Jackson coaching the Lakers or Greg Popovich coaching the Spurs or Jerry Sloan coaching the Jazz, one thing I found out about playoff basketball very early was getting the referees on your side, even for one night, was a big deal. And so if there was a perception of a team having more free throws, that the league just kind of 
even out if the coaches would bitch and moan enough. Well, I'm, I'm not here to say that the referees have been wrong because, as you well know, during the regular season, the Lakers draw the most fouls and the Warriors commit the most fouls and the Warriors don't draw fouls. So you knew that it, to some extent this game was going to be about free throws. And when the Warriors have lost, they've been minus 20, minus 16 when they've won. And like actually tonight they were ahead by three. And I don't look at attempts, I look at makes. And so they were plus three in the make category, which means the Lakers would have to do a lot of things right. And the Lakers were turning the ball over. The Warriors in the first half had 11 threes, only two in the second half. And one was a kind of a throwaway by Jonathan Kaminga. So there's all these different things when you look at the box score. But what Steve Kerr finally did, who played under Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich, and I thought he should have done it earlier in the ser- series, was to just after the loss in game four, just essentially say that the Lakers were flop- flopping and they needed to do something about it in the league. And that was something that just would go back and forth between coaches years ago and doesn't as much anymore. And so whether that was just coincidence or whether, you know, Lakers fans are probably going to say, well, they want a seven-game series, whatever. And I've said this before on the podcast, we don't like to blame our players. So if you're a Lakers fan, you don't want to blame LeBron James because you like him or Anthony Davis. And if you're a Warriors fan, you don't want to blame Draymond Green or Steph Curry or whomever is committing the fouls constantly. So there's a guy in the court who's neutral and he wears a zebra uniform, and you say, well, that's that guy, and it happens in every sport. I get it. Um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe they're trying to extend uh, series. I realize this is all based on money, but I don't think they're doing that. I don't think they have it out for somebody or anything like that. Like some people th- say, they're not against your team. It's just we knew this was going to happen as the series went on, but I think it did help that Steve Kerr did complain. So we'll get into that in a little bit because Darvin Ham at the end of the first quarter was like, we don't teach flopping. LeBron James after the game said, oh, I've never been on a flopping team in 20 years, even though he's flopped all over the court for 20 years. And I'm not saying he's not talented. He is. He's awesome. He's one of the best players of all time. Uh, I'm not a huge list guy. I don't know. He's on the Mount Rushmore. I think that, but I don't know who's best, but I do know this. He flops a lot. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a fact. He does. Uh, The Lakers do, especially on screens. They embellish screens big time. And I'm not bitching and moaning at the Lakers because that's the rules of the game. There was uh, rules against flopping, and they just don't do it anymore. They don't enforce it anymore. I don't even know if they're still on the books. But the the Lakers looked at the rules and said, oh, you know what, we can embellish things. we got to make sure that referees see things. And LeBron's done that his entire career. It's part of the rules. I don't like it. You don't like it. It's not good for the game. It slows down the game. It takes rhythm out of the game. But point is, before we get to everything – Steve Kerr did that tactic, and if you look at the box score, which I'll flash him in a minute, 12 for 15 for the Lakers, 14 for 15 for the Warriors. So all of a sudden you're going, wait a minute, the Warriors were plus two in free throws, so the Lakers have to be plus in a lot of other categories, right? And it led to the flow of the game being different and the pace of the game being different, being played faster, which is what the Warriors want to do because in the half-court defense, and this is why I started with that, because in the half-court defense, the Lakers are great. In transition defense, they're not. Anthony Davis lags behind a lot of times. Uh, LeBron James will lag behind, bitching and moaning at officials or just kind of jogging up the floor because he's 38. And that's the opportunity that the Warriors can get or have to get easy baskets. And when they got their lead at halftime, 70-59, to they were getting out on the break. They were forcing the issue. They were pushing pace. And it's not only always fast break points. It's you getting set up in the half court where you may not get credit for those points, but you set your offense up quickly and you got points when the Lakers weren't completely set defensively. So it all kind of ties together to what the Warriors want to do. Now, having said that, a couple of things that happened tonight that did not happen or has not happened throughout the series, and especially Game 4. It was a Steph Curry show in Game 4, 
and he didn't get much help. Uh, but, uh, well, let, let me back up because at the top, what I did was, let me get to that in just a second. Stick a pin in that. Because at the top there, I said the Curry, uh, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, I said, and I tweeted this out today, at John Lund Radio during the game in the first quarter. And I wrote up there at the top, Curry in the Jordan role. Curry-Jordan role. And what I mean by that is, when I used to cover the Bulls and the Jazz, in a big game especially, so the NBA Finals, which was, but in a critical game, what Michael Jordan would do, he didn't always do this over 82 games, and he didn't always do this in the playoffs, and he, always, and he didn't always do this in finals games. But in critical games, he did. Because Michael Jordan knew that he could get his whenever he wanted. So how he would start out big games that he knew the Bulls had to win was he would get Pippen involved. He would get Horace Grant involved. Remember when he had Rodman, Rodman was just rebounding. He didn't need to get him involved offensively. You know, John, uh, John Paxson involved. I mean, the, the, Tony Kukoc involved. My point is is that he would get secondary players who, who would teeter uh, whether they were going to have a good game or not, and he would get those guys involved early. A lot of assists, a lot of moving the ball, a lot of you know some shots that he would normally not pass up, because he knew later in the game he would be the closer. But he didn't need to gain confidence to score. He knew he could score at will. He knew he could score whatever he wanted. So what he did was he wanted to get confidence for Ron Harper, who would hit a couple of early shots, or he'd want to get Pippen going, or he'd want to get Horace Grant going, or he'd want to get whomever. He'd want to get guys going who was like, are these guys going to have good games or not? Because he knew if he gave them early confidence that they would keep it going. And then when it came to nut-cutting time, that he was going to own the game at the end, and he was going to be the closer. So they were the openers, he was the closer, and he wanted to give them confidence. Well, you saw Steph Curry do that in the first half. He got Draymond Green going. And Draymond doesn't have to score 20, but when Draymond goes out and scores like he did uh, tonight, where Draymond, what was the uh, total uh, for uh, Draymond? When Draymond comes out and scores 20, are you kidding me? I think they're 26 and 2 all time, and he's 18 plus, something like that over the last number of years, but 26 and 2. And again, it, it's just he was going to the rim. He saw the open baskets. I know he watched the film and was like, geez, I, I, I can't just shy away from this stuff. I got to go aggressive to the, to the hoop. And that will get him fouls, and that'll get him confidence, and that's what happened. And he got uh, Andrew Wiggins confident early in the game. Andrew Wiggins finishes 10 for 18, 2 of 5. He has 25 points. And I'll get to the numbers in just a second. I don't want to overkill the numbers before I get to buy the numbers if you're watching on the YouTube channel. Point is, is that Dre got going for 20. Wiggs got going for 25. GP2. And sometimes this number tells a story and sometimes it doesn't. He starts, he's plus 25 tonight, but he gets 13 points. And so guys were getting confidence and the whole time Steph knew, I can get mine. Curry ended up 12 of 24, 3 of 11. We'll get into the three-point shot for the Warriors and for Curry. But he finished with 27 points. But he also finished uh, the night, as far as assists, with eight, most in the first half. I think he had five or six in the first quarter. So, again, he knew he could get his when he needed to. He did get a three-pointer in the fourth quarter. The Warriors only hit two in the second half after getting going 11 of 21 in the first half. And that's been kind of the story of this series, right? The Warriors are going to get their threes. The Lakers are going to get their free throws. How does that all even out? Well, the Warriors were heading free throws. They were heading threes. It was going to be really tough for the Lakers to win this game based on those numbers. So, Dre Wiggs and GP2. Uh, Davis hurt late. Anthony Davis, if you didn't see the game, he got hit by uh, Kevon Looney under the hoop. And for those questioning this, I've had a number of concussions in my life, but the strangest one I ever had, and it reminded me of what happened to Anthony Davis. I was emptying a dishwasher, the, the uh, dork that I am. I was emptying the dishwasher, and when I looked up, 
one time I caught my temple right in the corner of a cabinet, like a wood cabinet, hardwood cabinet, and I flipped my head up really fast, and I hit it right in the corner right at my temple, and I saw stars right away, and I sat down for a minute, and for about three months, I know as simple as it sounds, for about three months, light was, I, I was light sensitive. I would sit in dark rooms. I'd have uh, migraine headaches just off of that. And so I heard a lot of people go, well, he didn't look like he hardly got hit. Well, what I saw was him getting hit directly in the temple. And the strange thing about this now, Chris Haynes came out. Darvin Ham came out, the Lakers head coach, and said, I think he's going to be fine. He's much better. Uh, Chris Haynes came out, and uh, the sideline reporter for TNT, and came out and said uh, that he was, he was doing a lot better, and he, he thought he was going to play in the next game. He's not going to know till tomorrow. He was woozy. Uh, report said he had to be wheeled in a wheelchair. I did see a video of him leaving the arena. He didn't look great. He's going to know tomorrow exactly what he is. So whether he plays or not, whether he has to get into concussion protocol, which would probably make him doubtful for the game on Friday, uh, that would be a, that would be a major issue. Obviously, if he didn't play, didn't play the last six thirty-five of the game, and he probably would have been. Uh, pulled shortly thereafter anyway because LeBron James was. They pulled everybody off the floor, try to get them some rest for the next game, game six, which we'll get into is really game seven. But my point in all of this is I don't think that anybody can say whether Anthony Davis is fine or can play in that game or not because when you have concussions, if you've ever had concussions, and if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area watching, you know, uh, Brandon Belt, there's a number of catchers. John Jaso was the A's, was, you know, all these different guys, the, the symptoms develop. I didn't think anything of it at the time, even though I sat down and I had stars. And I've had a few concussions in my life through sports, and, and this was the worst one I had. I hit a cabinet with my temple, and it looked like he got hit in the temple. So he's going to know tomorrow, I think. Now, look, I'm no doctor. I don't know anything. I'm just telling you from what I saw, there's going to be questions about that. And I don't know, you know, and again, football, they've really – established what the protocol is and all those kind of things. The NBA, I don't know that they're that ex- as extensive as what the NFL is, but I just know that the league is going to look at this and go, wait a minute, he was woozy, he couldn't walk, he needed a wheelchair, and by the end of the game he was fine and it's not a concussion? We'll see. That's something to definitely watch. Uh, the 25, I'll get to the all the numbers, but the 25-7 run in between the second and the third quarter provided the Warriors with – at the time, was kind of a blowout margin, and then Austin Reeves hit a shot in the fourth quarter, and there was a brief moment. It was the first time in the second half that the Lakers had a had under a double-digit lead when he cut it to nine with his shot, and then the Warriors took control once again. But it was 16-5 to end the, uh, the first half, so 70-59. Steph Curry hit a three at the end of the first half, 11-21 in the first half for the Warriors. And we'll get into the three-point stuff, like I said, in a minute, the second half, and how the guys are struggling which has been their major advantage. But uh, they go 16-5 to end the second quarter, lead 70-59 at the half, and then they go on a 9-2 run to start the third quarter. So 25-7 run for the Warriors, which gave them a 79-61 lead, and they hung on from there. Uh, And then finally, the energy and the pace of the game. And that's what I was talking about in the free throws and why I led with that. Everybody simplistically just looks at it and says, Oh, it's just about the free throws, plus minus on the free throws. The Warriors are plus two. It's about not pulling the ball out of the net. It's about dictating the pace. Thank you, Draymond Green, for coming through on his podcast. He said that, you know, he hadn't played well. He called himself out. I, I don't know why guys I, – now, I do know that why they can't do it over 82. I do know in baseball why they can't do it over 162. But in these critical games, I don't know how you can't be locked in and have the energy and everything and 
and push things like Draymond Green did without turning the ball over. So when people say, oh, the, you know, the Warriors turn the ball over, that's just their DNA. It's just what they do. No, it's not. They don't have to turn the ball over. They don't. They didn't kill themselves with the turnovers tonight. Both teams had 20 points off turnovers. That's not a killer. And the Warriors turned it over 14 times in the regular season. They averaged 16. And a lot of first half, they didn't turn the ball over a, a, for a long time. And then they had kind of a flurry in the fourth quarter that allowed the Lakers to get back in when they turned it over on like three or four possessions. So, look, they can control it. They controlled the free throws tonight. They controlled the the turnovers tonight. Points in the paint, break point, all those kind of things were either closer in the Warriors' favor. So if they want to control the ball and they don't have to be the Harlem Globetrotters and try to make a home run pass every single time, they can control things, and that's what it's going to take the rest of the series. Energy and pace, which is directly involved with the free throw shooting. All right, let's finally get to by the numbers. I told you that 25-7 to run between the first, between the second quarter and the the third quarter, 79-61 and a 25-7 run. That provided it. Uh, Three throw makes, I told you by the numbers as we're going through. Golden State 14, LA 12. Plus two. They've been down by as many as minus 20 in that category, minus 16 in that category for games. I'm not saying that they have to win the free throw battle in L.A., but they have to do something in terms of just keeping it relatively close. I mean, the other night they were minus 11 in game four. They could have won that game. So, I mean, if they can keep it between that, I mean, just not minus 20. Keep it minus 10 and then shoot the three ball better and you can find other ways to to even out the free throws, but it can't, like, minus 10 tops. Can't be minus 20 like it's been in this series. Uh, the, the FC, what that means is the forward-center combinations or the front court. Look at the difference there in the front court. The Warriors led by Green, Wiggins, and Payton. So, again, Green had 20, Wiggins had 25, and Gary Payton shipped in 13. They had 58 points in their front court. The Lakers, meanwhile, out of their front court, and again, Anthony Davis got hurt late, 25 points from LeBron James, 23 points from Anthony Davis. They were efficient, 9 of 17 LeBron, but 3 of 7 from 3. Hit a, hit a couple, got uh, got confident, 10 of 18 for Anthony Davis. But again, and uh, Jared Vanderbilt didn't score. So 58-48 up front. And if the Warriors are going to get that advantage, they're going to win games. Because you think that Curry could get going and maybe Clay will, but maybe he won't. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, the Warriors threes, 11 in the first half, two in the second half. Clay and JP, eight for 26 combined. Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole, eight for 26. Clay was getting early shots, and this is what I meant by Steph Curry trying to distribute early and gaining confidence or getting confidence for guys who wouldn't think that Clay would be in that boat, but he struggled for most of the series. Clay went three of 12 and two of six for 10 points. Steph Curry was, was obviously trying to get him going in the first quarter. He missed his first four shots, and they were shots. And here's here's where I get concerned about Clay. Most of the time, we're like, we're not concerned, we're not concerned, we're not concerned. He's gotten off the slow starts in NBA seasons, but you just don't have the time. I mean, it's another elimination game, then another elimination game should you get by game six. And the thing that concerned me in watching the game tonight or watching the game on Wednesday night was that if you if you watched Clay, it wasn't just wild threes that he had been which he had been missing and shots he shouldn't be taking, which at the end of game four, that were the case, where Steve Kerr, one of them just was like, oh, and then protected him in the press conference afterwards because that's what you do. But these were spot-up shots where I'm sure the Warriors said, let's get to your spots. You make some shots, you get confident. These were elbow, you know, these were 16, 18-foot elbow jumpers that are Clay Thompson shots. 
you know, top of the free throw line jumpers where he maneuvers himself into these spots or or through screens or whatever. They were they were absolutely trying to get Clay off because they were they were getting him the the shots that are Clay shots that Clay easily makes that are like layups to most people. That's those were the shots and Clay was missing those especially late in the game and that's concerning. And early in the game he wasn't really close on the shot. Late in the game, they were spots that he normally hits from, not wild three-pointers, and he wasn't even hitting those. And if you think they're going to win the series without much more contribution from Clay, you're probably wrong. Although, again, we'll get into that conversation. Jordan Poole hit a few. He got in there late, but again, 5 of 14, 1 of 6 for 11 points. It's better than the goose egg he put up in game four. But again, he's not one of those guys. He played almost 23 minutes tonight and Clay played 37, these aren't guys that you can say, well, there's somebody else to take their place. If DiFingenzo doesn't play well, if GP2 doesn't play well, if, you know, certain guys, if Moody doesn't play well, whatever, Jamichael Green, then, you, you know, you, you yank him. Okay, do they have it tonight? No, they don't. Yank him. That's not what you're going to do with Clay Thompson. That's not what you're going to do with Jordan Poole. These are the guys, these are the girl, as they, as they say, you got to dance with the girl that brung you, or the girl you brung, or whatever, however that goes. These are guys that you have to rely on. These are guys that have to play minutes. These are guys, now in Jordan's case, because he's so poor defensively, you don't have to play him. But again, it's going to be really difficult if your backcourt, the guys that help Steph Curry out, Clay and JP, who you've looked to all season long in the last couple of years, you can't expect 25 from Wiggins every night. You can't expect, expect 20 from Draymond every night. Those are things that happened tonight, 13 from Gary Payton. But you got to get points from those guys because that's unusual. Now, can Wiggins get 20, 20 or 25 for you? He can. Can Draymond always get you 20? No. He can get you 10 or 12. But where are you going to make up those points if Draymond doesn't score 20 tonight? Where are you going to make up those points if Gary GP2, who's got a, a 15 and a 13 back-to-back, you know, he might be able to get you those, but he's not naturally an offensive player. He's there to shut guys down like D'Angelo Russell. He's not there to score. You've got to get those guards going. So, again, Clay and JP, 8 of 26. And then finally, let's go down to game six and look ahead to game six. And this is a game seven. And I said this today on my KMBR radio show. Everyone's counting them out. Look, the Warriors were eight-point favorites at tip-off for game five. Vegas was like, they're winning this game. And we all, I, I think we all knew that. So down three to one and every, you know, 13 and 264 teams coming that are one, three in a series. But this is different because if you do come back, two of the three games are at chase. We knew they'd win tonight. If the Warriors somehow, and by the way, this isn't crazy because they've won, as you well know, a road game in 28 consecutive playoff series, which is an all-time record. Now, are they going to lose at some point? Yeah. But they've done it 28 times in a row. So I have a lot of confidence that they will. They got blown out one game. They had one game they could have won in L.A. It's not like they're going to be intimidated going down there. The Lakers don't have a really loud crowd. They were good at home, not great. They're not dominant. They're good. They're better. The biggest thing that happens, and I tell you this all the time, and you know this, role players play better at home. So if you start looking at guys who struggled for the Lakers that are maybes, maybe not. I mean, look, D'Angelo Russell was 6 of 10, but he, he'll play better at home. Uh, Dennis Schroeder was 6 of 11. Uh, one guy I'd watch for in this game, Rui Hachimura, uh, uh, he was just 2 of 3 for 4 points. He'll probably play better. Lonnie Walker, there was no fourth-quarter magic tonight for Lonnie Walker. They gave him an opportunity, two of six, four points. Will he play better? That's about as deep as their bench goes. Austin Reeves, six of 12, 15 points. He's, or excuse me, five of 12. He's kind of been on and off in this series. Will he be better at home? Most of these guys are. You know, the guys that I mentioned, you know what LeBron's going to generally give you? 
You know what Anthony Davis, if he's healthy, is generally going to give you? In this series, he hasn't been kind of the up-and-down player he was against Memphis. So you generally know. It's the guys who go home, the D'Angelo Russells, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Hachimura, Lonnie Walker. So they go home, and they're probably going to be better, just like if you look at the Warriors. And again, uh, Wiggins can do this. It's just Wiggins hasn't been the two-way Wiggs that he was last year, and so he gets 25. He's at home. Can he do that in L.A.? I don't know. Is Clay going to find it in L.A.? I don't know. Is he putting too much pressure on himself because he just wanted this series so much and to play the Lakers? Maybe. I don't know the psychology. Is Jordan Poole going to break out on the road? You know, Moses Moody, Dante DiVincenzo, GP2. You know, he played well in L.A., but role players generally play better at home. That's just kind of how it goes. So will the Laker players do that? I don't know. Uh, the biggest story about game number six is the status of Anthony Davis. And again, Chris uh, Chris Haynes, TNT sideline reporter, said Anthony Davis. It looked all signs looked like he was good. And after the game, Darvin Ham said he's doing much better. What's Darvin Ham going to say? He's not going to tell you the status of Anthony Davis until he absolutely, positively has to. But like I said, I've had concussions before, and the night of, and like I said, just just seeing it, it was a it was a shot to the temple, which I've had before. And that night it was kind of bad, but then I. I I went to bed, and I thought, I'm fine. For about three months, I had to sit in dark rooms, uh, loud noises, light, those things. I was light-sensitive. I was noise-sensitive. And I'm not saying this is going to happen to Anthony Davis. I'm just simply saying that when people were saying, well, he hardly got hit or what happened, or concussions are weird, man, and they're not like ankle sprains or broken bones or anything like that. Everybody's different. And, again, in the Barry, we know this. The guys like Brandon Belt and, like I said, John Jaso, guys – there's been tons of guys, and it's it just everybody heals differently. It's a brain injury. Everybody heals differently. So Anthony Davis could wake up tomorrow and be fine, maybe have a headache, or maybe have nothing. Or he could go, whoa, uh, we got a problem. So I, I get it, and these guys are professionals at what they do and the media and, and so on and so forth, and I'm not saying the Lakers are lying. I'm just, I'm just saying to take a word or a phrase from Steve Kerr, there's gamesmanship. And he's going to wake up, and they're going to have to check him again. And the NBA is going to be very involved in this because you went from you couldn't walk, you needed a wheelchair, and now you're 100% fine and you're going to play in less than 48 hours? They're going to look into it. And that's going to be a huge part of how you look at this game, obviously. Uh, Close late game six, the Warriors, this is all season long. And this happened in the Kings series early, and this happened in game four. Can the Warriors close? There's no doubt in my mind they could go to L.A. and win and make it 29 consecutive road wins in a playoff series. And the Lakers are going to get off to a big start, and the and it's going to be loud, and maybe it's going to, you know, it's going to avalanche them a little bit early, then the game's going to settle down, and then it's going to be who's the better team. And the Warriors will be in the game, I think. I don't think they're going to get blown out like they did in game three. I think it's going to be a close game. Who closes? You know, this isn't the Kings. They're not going to, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis, they're not going to be intimidated. They've won. Will the Warriors be able to hearken back and, and championship DNA, we use that term all the time, and win one of these things on the road? Because if they do, I don't think, this is why I'm saying game six is game seven. I don't think the Lakers are coming back up to Chase Center in a game seven after having controlled the series, then lost here, then lost at home when they had a chance. Now look, the Warriors did that. They had a chance to close out the Kings in game six. Took him lightly, got smoked, and then had to play in a game seven, which Steph had to rescue him, as you well know, for 50 points. But you don't want to have to do that. I, did I think the Warriors would win? Yeah, I, I did think they'd win that game seven. But that was the Kings. It's a different team. 
no disrespect to my fine Sacramento listeners and Kings fans, there's a, there's a process to winning these things. And the Kings will be back. But the point is, is that if the Lakers, with, after losing 121-106 at Chase in Game 5, if they go back to L.A. going, oh, okay, we got this one. And I'm not saying they played like they had a safety net, but at the end, Darvin Ham said, okay, I'm going to rest my guys now. But if the Warriors go in and get that victory in L.A., which they're fully capable of, and numbers say they probably should. And by the way, I looked at the, the number before the, uh, before the show tonight, and the Warriors are favored by two in game six. I don't know how that's going to flip with betters, but they're favored by two in game six. Now, maybe some of that is the uncertainty around uh, Anthony Davis. I don't know. But they're favored by two. And then Vegas knows they've won one in 28 straight. Aren't they going to win another one? Well, if it comes down to a game seven on Sunday, uh, the line was eight for game five. I'd imagine the the game might be even higher than that. Because I just don't see this group losing to the Lakers and it would be payback time for LeBron and all these kind of things. Look, who knows? Anything can happen in a game seven. There's no question. Could the Lakers come up and do that? Yeah, they could. Would it be unlikely? Yes, it would. Would I be surprised if the Warriors go down and beat the Lakers and force a game seven? Absolutely not. And I figured they would win tonight as well. Uh, one of the problems is, if you look at uh, three, Curry, six of his last 25 in his last two games. And the reason that's a problem is that if Clay's not hitting threes, and JP's not hitting threes. Wiggins did a nice job. Draymond hit an early one. But their major advantage, and I, this is how the, the free throw thing works, to bring it all the way back to that. Bitch and moan, bitch and moan, bitch and moan. And for some reason, it's just it just kind of seems to even out. I expect the, the Lakers to have a double-digit advantage against the Warriors in game six at the free throw line. So what does that mean? How are you going to offset that advantage? For a lot of the series, it's been, well, we're crushing you on three balls. The Lakers aren't very good at that. So that's the thing that you got to do. Well, if Steph is 6 for 25 in his last two, I know what you're saying to yourself. Well, then he's due. Okay. You want to go with that theory? That's fine. But I never believe, like on a roulette wheel, that red or black is due or a certain number is due. Steph Curry is not due. Sports don't work like that. Now, if Steph Curry comes out and goes 10 for 12 from three or 10 for 13 or 12 for 15 or something nuts, I mean, it won't surprise me. He's Steph Curry. But it's not because he's due. It's because he's Steph Curry. Uh, Clay Thompson's due. Do I know what he's going to do in game six? No. Jay, uh, Jordan Poole's due. I don't know. Is Wiggins going to hit shots like he did in, in this game? He went two of five. He didn't shoot a ton of them, but he looked better. He hit him early. Again, they had 11 in the first half, two in the second half. One was a throwaway by Jonathan Kaminga. One was a big one late by Steph Curry, which helped seal it. So that's got to change. They have got to get the three ball back, not like the second half, more like the first half when they went 11 of 21. And again, to that end, Clay Thompson's got to show up. Jordan Poole's got to show up. I'm not saying they both got to score 30, but a 20-point game from Clay where he hits, I don't know, four or five threes, they need it because they've got to have that advantage against the Lakers. Uh, pace and role players. I talked about role players. Role players play better at home. That's going to be something to watch in this game. And then pace. If you're pulling the ball out of the basket because uh, with free throws and the Lakers can set up their defense, it's going to be a problem for the Warriors. So I'm not, again, I don't think that they're going to have the advantage at the free throw line like they did in game five, but if they can keep it relatively close, then we'll see. Uh, And then the uh, free throw swing. I just mentioned the free throw swing. And then the last thing I would say is just not beating yourself. We all know this. If you've watched this version of the Warriors, 
they've been so good for so long, and when they had Durant and when they were at their top peak and when the guys were all in their prime, they were light years, as Joe Lacob said. They were better than these teams. So they could screw around and play a little Harlem Globetrotter and, and, you know, plays and throw some home run passes because they had a safety net. They were that much better than you. But they don't anymore. They've got to play sound basketball. They kept the turnovers down. They kept the free throw advantage down. They've got to do – I'm not saying they have to do everything, but you can't throw the ball around a bunch. You can't play – you can't shoot hero ball threes. They rarely did that in game five. The hero ball three that we saw at the game end of game four, they didn't do that. They kept moving the ball. They kept attacking the basket. They kept playing smart offense. There was a couple of hero ball threes when the Lakers were coming back a little bit in the third in the fourth quarter when they cut it to nine. But for the most part, the Warriors stopped, didn't do that. So they didn't turn the ball over for a long period of the game. They didn't do the hero ball. They worked the offense and took shots within the context of the offense. If they drew Davis away, they were going to the rim. Uh, they, play, they shot enough free throws. They just did a lot of things right on both ends of the court. And now they can't come out in game six and say, we can turn it over and we can take hero ball shots. And we can, you know, we've, they do that on occasion. Heat checks from Steph are fine. I get it. But what Clay Thompson did, especially given the kind of night he had in the fourth quarter, and that goes back to closing, which has been very hit or miss this season, mostly miss, sometimes hit. But when it comes to closing games, that's why. They've been hero ball crazy. A lot of times they stop within the offense and say, I got this. I've done this before. The margin of error isn't what it was. So there you go. 121-106, the Warriors beat the Lakers. How you feeling about game six? Whether you're a Lakers fan, Warriors fan, tell me what you think. Tell me your keys. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me about the free throws. Did Steve Kerr complaining help? What do you think with Anthony Davis? I mean, I'm, it, look, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to play or not. It's going to be interesting to see how he wakes up on Thursday because I'm telling you, as a guy who's had three or four concussions and one, I think, very similar to what he did where he caught it right in the temple, it's going to be interesting in the morning to see how he wakes up and what exactly is going on. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, you can see all the stuff I put up there. Give me your thoughts, questions, comments, at John Lund Radio on Twitter, and comment right here underneath the show. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for taking us with you. I'm John Lund, Unleashed, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And, of course, KNBR 680, KNBR.com, the new KNBR app. And I'm on 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa. We will talk all about this on Thursday. That'll do it. 121-106. Warriors face, or force, I should say, a game six in L.A. Can they get it to seven? Can they come back from one three and actually pay LeBron James back? Hit me up at John Lund Radio. That is Unleashed with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. And we're only on the Locked On Podcast Network.